Once again, in the month of January, it's uh, been declared Norwegian month, and so we have our Oli and Lena jokes. This morning, we're just going to focus on Lena, okay? On Lena. Now, Lena um, decided she needed a job, so Lena went and got a job at the downtown uh, woman's clothing store. And, of course, uh, being downtown on Main Street, this clothing store had a wonderful wonderful uh, display of women's clothing. It had the recent styles and the new, the new styles in the, in the window on display. And uh, so anyhow, Lena got a job there at that particular store. Anyhow, when she was on, on duty there that first day at the store, uh, one of the customers came into the store and walked up to the counter and, and spoke with Lena and said to Lena, I love the new styles. I would like to try on those new styles that are on display in the window. I would like to try those clothes on that are in the display window. And uh, anyhow, of course, when Lena heard this, she was kind of taken aback. She didn't really know what to say, how to respond to this woman's question. And so she thought about it and kind of gained, you know, gathered her composure back, and then she said to this lady, um, Lady, we would prefer if you would try on those clothes in the dressing room. Okay, we're in Romans chapter 6. Let's get to the good stuff, all right? Not the lame stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. We're in Romans chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, you're not the boss of me, all right? That's where we're at. You're not the boss of me. And uh, that particular title this morning, I do have a little story about that when I was uh, uh, working on my, uh, not my uncle's, but Nancy's uncle's farm. I did uh, spend two summers going to, when I leave college, my, my junior and my senior year after college, during the summer months, I went to Nebraska. Of course, I was in pursuit of a girl at that time, and her, of course, her name is Nancy. And, uh, but anyhow, I worked for Nancy's uncle on the farm, so I was a hired hand. Well, one day... Uh, while we were out uh, working in the shop, uh, Uncle Harold, that's the gentleman I was working for, Uncle Harold, his little grandson uh, was in the shop. And uh, this little grandson, he was uh, doing some things he wasn't supposed to do. And so Grandpa, Grandpa Harold, he, he called the little young man, he was only four years old, he called him on the carpet and says, hey, I don't want you doing that. And this little four-year-old said to Grandpa, you're not the boss of me. Well, the game was on after that. And, of course, old Grandpa, he, he got a hold of him, and Grandpa won, okay? But uh, this morning, I just want you to kind of keep uh, this whole idea, the phrase, anyhow, not the story, but the phrase, you're not the boss of me, okay? And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. And it's when it comes to sin, sin's not your boss, all right? So we're in Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses. So follow along, and I'll read that passage of Scripture for us. Again, you're not the boss of me, all right? So as we come to chapter 6 here, let me just give a little bit of a, a, a reminder, if you will. Last week, we talked about how each of us has a sin nature uh, because Adam made that choice to sin. Remember, he ate of the forbidden fruit. And, what, and through that act of disobedience, sin entered into the human race. And so all of us, because of Adam, Adam messing up, all of us now have a sinful nature. 
we have sin in us. But remember, there is deliverance from that sinful nature through our faith in Jesus Christ. So anyhow, on the heels of that particular truth that we do have a sinful nature and that God has done something about that sinful nature, he's brought his son into uh, this world and through faith in Jesus, we can have forgiveness of our sin. We come to chapter 6 and here's what it says. Somebody asks the question, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I mean, the whole idea is that when we sin, God continually offers grace. He, he gives us his favor, which is that of forgiveness. And if God keeps on forgiving us all the time, then he says, well, what should we say then? Shall we not go on sinning so that his grace may increase? Well, then the answer is in verse 2, by no means. Paul says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. And we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we've died with, with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Well, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Well, as we began, we kind of went back to episode, last week's episode, and as I shared with you, we all have a sin nature because Adam messed up, all right? He disobeyed God, and because of his act of disobedience, each one of us has this sin principle within us. We call it the sinful nature. Some refer to it as the old man. Um, you know, uh, different terms are used to describe this sin principle that each one of us has. All right, and so because we have this sinful nature, uh, the result, the consequence of being a sinner, the Bible makes it clear: because you are a sinner, you will die. Okay, that's just how it is. The result of being a sinner is death, all right? Here's what the Bible says, verse uh, 12 of chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, of course, that was Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So being, because we are sinners, uh, we will receive the punishment of death. So the wages that you deserve for being a sinner is death. However, God has a plan, right? And that's the good news. 
So at the end of Romans chapter 5, we'll read about his plan. And here's what he has shared with us, beginning in verse 20 of chapter 5. So the law was added so that the trespass, trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we come to chapter 6 here, uh, basically the whole theme is in chapter 6 is that uh, sin is not your master, okay? The master padlock has been unlocked because of Jesus Christ. Or sin is not your boss. Rather, Jesus Christ is the one whom you serve and give your allegiance to. But as we, become, as we come into chapter 6 here, verse 1, there are some antagonists that the, Paul, the author here, has to deal with. And he's anticipating a question from the antagonists. And the antagonists are asking Paul this question. Okay, let's take a look at it. That's in verse 1. Um, they say, and this is their reasoning, the antagonists, they're saying, okay, since the goodness of God is displayed in our sinfulness, okay, in other words, when we sin, God demonstrates his grace and his forgiveness and he receives glory in doing that well since he receives glory in forgiving us and demonstrating his grace to us why not sin all the more so that God can receive more grace or excuse more glory and honor as he forgives us and shows us his grace so why not go on sinning so that again God is elevated God is glorified well, Paul responds to that way of thinking, and he says, no way, okay? No way. And he goes on to say, how can you continue in sin when you died to sin? Okay, that's what it says there in verse 2. How can you continue to do that when you died to sin? So the answer is, should we keep on sinning so that God's glory can just be uh, magnified and his grace abound? Should we just, you know help him along a little bit and do some sin? Paul says, hey, no, that's not what you were called to do, okay? You were not created to be a sinner, or I should say, God did not come into your life and rescue you through salvation so that you could go on sinning. That's just not how his plan works. So let's, uh, so that's what the antagonist is asking. So let's, let's kind of put a little spin on the antagonist. So let's, let's you be the antagonist, Okay. Now, we all are antagonists in some way when it comes to God's wonderful plan of salvation. And here's what sometimes we think, okay? This is how maybe we uh, process things in, in an antagonistic way. Uh, here's what we say, you know? Okay, we know the good news. We know that the good news is Jesus will forgive us when we confess our sins and repent of them, okay? We know that. And that's because Jesus is so grace, gracious. Uh, God is gracious. Uh, well, since he's going to forgive me, okay, and demonstrate his grace and love uh, and receive glory from all this, well, why not just, why not sin? I mean, what's the big deal if I sin? I mean, God's going to forgive me, right? And he's going to receive honor and glory because of his characters being honored. I mean, why not sin? I mean, what's the big deal? Why not sin? Well, Paul says, 
hey, no way, do not sin. And the reason we are not to sin is because of verse 2, we have died to sin. So let's take a look at this positional truth that is true for all believers in Jesus Christ. And that is in verse 2. Can you go on sinning? Paul says, no, don't go on sinning because you have died to sin. That's what verse 2 says. In other words, sin is not your master. We see that a little bit later in verse 14. Sin is not your master, so don't go on sinning, all right? Sin is no longer your boss, so don't give in and continue to sin. Rather, you've been redeemed, you've been, uh, uh, you know, brought into God's family, and so now you have a new master. Serve him. So the positional truth that is true for all believers is sin is not the master anymore. We've died to sin. So let's, let's pursue that a little bit. Let's explain that. What does it mean here to die to sin? That's what verse 2 tells us. We can't continue in sin because we have died to sin. So what does that mean, to die to sin? Well, let me tell you this. It does not mean that your sin nature has been eradicated. Okay, so that's not what we're talking about. So when verse 2 says, you have died to sin, therefore don't continue in sin, Paul is not saying, okay, when you trusted in Jesus, Jesus reached in and grabbed that sinful nature and he ripped it out of you and threw it away and you no longer have a sin nature. Well, that's not true. Okay, it's not been eradicated. So then what does it mean to die to sin? This whole idea of dying to sin uh, means that the power and the authority and the influence of your sinful nature has been broken. Okay, are you following with me a little bit here? Tracking with me? Okay, when it talks about you have died to sin, what that means is uh, the power... Uh, the influence, okay, the authority of that sinful nature that you have has been broken. It's no longer your boss, okay? It's no longer your master. It does not call the shots in your life. It's not your boss. Let's see if we can explain it a little bit more. Has, everyone, has anyone ever asked you, do you want to see a match burn twice? Okay, are, are you tracking with me on that? Okay. How many of you, how many knew what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen a match burn twice? Okay. Yes? Do you under, follow me? It, it's kind of a prank. Okay. Well, let me explain that, what it is. You say, you say to your friend or you say to your brother, your sister, whoever, you say to them, hey, have you ever seen a match burn twice? And they go, yeah, no, I bet you can't do that. So what do you do? You get a match, you light it, there's burn once, you blow it out, and then you put that hot match on their arm, and they get burned again, twice, okay, burned twice, you with me? Firemen do this all the time. <laughs> burn twice, all right, that's burned twice. So, anyhow, when it comes to your sinful nature, and by the way, why, why would somebody go and pull a prank like that anyhow? Have you ever been, have you seen a match burn twice? Why would somebody do that prank? Because they're a sinner, all right? Okay, that's what we're talking about. All right. Well, the sinful nature is kind of like a match burning twice, okay? With the match, the flame 
has gone out, all right? Uh, the source of power with this match has burned up. But the heat remains, okay? The match will no longer ignite, but it can burn you. Likewise, the fuel of your sinful nature has been burned up, but the heat remains, and you can be burned. Okay? So that's what it means to die to sin. The power, the authority has been burned up. It's been used up because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But even though we've done that, there is a remnant, so to speak. Uh, there is still some heat that remains, and that heat can burn you. So that is our positional truth. We don't continue in sin, Paul says in verse 2, because sin is not your boss anymore. Okay? It's not your master. You're not under the control, under the influence of your sinful nature anymore because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So because of that truth, your position, that's your position, your positional truth, you know, we don't obey our sinful tendencies anymore. Now, Paul goes on to give us an illustration about that. Of course, I gave you the match illustration. Paul, he, give, he goes on and gives an illustration, too, about this whole idea of dying to sin. And we see that in verses 3 through 10. So we're going to look at those verses. Verses 3 through 10, uh, Paul gives us an illustration to explain this truth that sin is dead. And so in this illustration, Paul uses for us uh, the Lord's death, his burial, and his resurrection. So those are the elements that Paul is going to use in this illustration. He uses Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. So the Bible explains to us that when Jesus died, he was buried, and then he came back to life, which is the resurrection. And the Bible says that when he died, was buried, and came back to life because of his resurrection, Jesus conquered, okay, Jesus conquered sin and death. Because of his resurrection, Jesus living, he beat, okay? He was victorious over sin and death. That's what Paul is telling us there. Let's press on some more here. Now remember, the Bible says the wages of sin is, help me out, death. We're going to die because of our sin. Well, Jesus fulfilled the demand, that de demand, by dying on the cross. So the debt required by sin, which is death, was paid by Jesus. However, Jesus came back to life on the third day, revealing that sin could not dominate him. Sin was not his boss. Sin was not his master. The resurrection defeats the power of sin and death. Sin and death are not the boss. Okay? That's what Paul is telling us there. Now, Paul brings in another element to this illustration. First, we talked about how Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection defeats sin and death. Okay? Then he adds to this illustration using baptism. So Paul incorporates baptism into his illustration. And this is where you fit in, all right? Now, this baptism that we're going to talk about is not a water baptism. You know, like when we gather together, whether it's at the swimming pool or go down to Bellamy's to the creek and have a baptismal service, 
Okay, that, this is, that's not the type of baptism we're talking about here, okay, in Romans chapter 6. We call it a, more of a spiritual baptism. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. So what is that meaning here? So the word baptism here means to be immersed into, all right? So you're immersed into something. So your identity is Jesus Christ. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are immersed into Christ. Okay? You receive a new identity. Your identity is Jesus Christ. You've been immersed to him. So what that means then, uh, when Jesus' death to sin becomes your death to sin because you are united, you are immersed in Christ. Uh, Jesus' victory over sin becomes your victory. Jesus' victory over death becomes your victory over death. So, well, let's even back up some more just to see if that will help. Okay, when Adam sinned, right? He ate of the forbidden fruit. That act of disobedience put something into mankind, right? We call it the sinful nature. So something happened to us. We, we try to explain it in logical terminology, but, but it's kind of it's difficult. But the truth remains. We have this sinful nature. And thank you, well, thanks, Adam, right? He gave us that sinful nature. Now, likewise, Paul is going to say, when Paul, or excuse me, when Jesus died on the cross, and he conquered sin and he conquered death, and when we put our faith and trust in him for salvation, Something's passed on to us, okay? Something happens to us supernaturally. And what happens to us? Well, the chain or the mastery of sin is busted, it's broken. The power, the authority is done away with because of our identity with Jesus Christ. We receive something from Jesus when we come to know him. And so what I want you to understand is that your identity with Christ is more than just a biblical declaration that is written down on paper, okay? It's more than that. When you truly identify with Christ through faith, you become a new creation. That's what the Bible says. You're a new creature. And as a new creation, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in your life. 1 John 4, 4 reminds us, greater is the one who is in you than he who is in the world. And also in 1 Corinthians 6, we have these words, do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So Paul is going at great lengths here to help us understand that the sinful nature the authority of it, uh, you know, the, the mastery of it, trying to dictate and control our lives, that has been broken, okay? It's been broken. And it's been broken because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And we have victory over sin. We have victory over death. And that is because God has put something into us, which is His Holy Spirit, okay? So we've been equipped and he has given us the resources to be the winner when it comes to that sinful nature. So that brings us to our final point here. You know, 
regarding how, how, okay, what are the tools that he gives us? So he doesn't leave us empty-handed here. He, he gives us tools that we can apply to make uh, sin inoperative in our life. So let's look at that. There's three things looking at verses 11 through 14. So how does a person practice the truth? I am dead to sin. Remember, that is a positional truth. It has happened. Okay? And, uh, and because your faith in Christ, remember you're dead to sin, that power, that authority of sin, it's not the boss of you. Okay? You don't have to listen to that voice. But we do acknowledge that it can burn twice, right? We do acknowledge that. We're not going to let it burn twice. And here's how we do that. Here's what he says. Take a look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin. So that is step number one. Count yourself dead to sin. So what does that mean, count or reckon yourself or consider yourself dead to sin? How do you do that? Well, the, the, the word translated count or consider or reckon yourself dead, that word means to rest confidently. To rest confidently. In other words, the truth has been stated. You are dead to sin. And therefore, you accept it with no questions asked. That's just how it is. You accept it as no, with no questions asked. The power cord called sin has been cut. Okay? It's been cut. Sin is no longer your boss. Why is that important? Why do we need to consider? Why do we need to reckon ourselves? Because proper thinking brings proper results. Okay? So we've got to think correctly in order to defeat the power and authority of the sinful nature. And so part of thinking correctly is God has cut the cord. Sin is no longer my boss. Now that's just the truth. That's the truth, and that's how we're to live. So, step number one, we consider ourselves dead to sin. We, we rest confidently in that, in that uh, truth. Here's the second thing, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So the second thing is, we do not let sin reign in the mortal body, in our mortal body. So if you will look at verse 12 with me there, would you? Uh, According to verse 12, where, where does it seem the responsibility is placed when it comes to saying no to sin rather than let it be our boss? Who has authority? That's us, isn't it? That's right. So according to verse 12, we have a responsibility not to let sin reign in our lives. Uh, so, have you ever been a victim of a match burning twice? I have. Have anybody else? Okay. You're a victim of a match burning twice because you let that person pull that prank on you. Okay? You let them do that. You become a victim of your sin burning twice because you let it happen. You let it happen. Paul is saying this, telling us, and the scripture tells us, hey, sin is not our boss. We don't have to listen to that voice. Okay? Sin is not our master. Jesus Christ, the key, has unlocked the master. So we do not have to obey and listen to its voice. So we, that's the second step, so we need to uh, take responsibility. And there's a part in there that says resist. It doesn't, it, this is insinuated there 
It doesn't say and resist, but that's part of it. If you're not going to let sin reign, you're going to resist it. Okay, so we need to resist the sin. And that's important because let's face it, let's be honest about sin. Sin, the temptation, is alluring. Temptation is appealing. Temptation is enticing. Now remember, it's not our boss though. And so we resist. Number one, we rest confidently in the truth. My sinful nature has been, has been, uh, has been cut. The power cord's been cut. That's the truth. Number two, when, uh, when it tries to burn twice, you know, I'm, 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 I'm alert. I know this game. And we're going to resist the sin, all right? And then lastly, see there, uh, verse 13. Uh, then we do not offer the parts of your body to sins as instruments of wickedness, wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Okay. So here we are to be proactive when dealing with our sinful nature. So we need to ask a question. What will bring glory to God and spare me unnecessary pain? Okay. I, I don't want to be burned twice. All right. So what do I need to do proactively to keep from getting burned? All right? So that's part of, you know, offering ourselves to God. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 is important at this time. Don't forget, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, okay, of love and self-discipline. You are equipped. Okay? You are equipped to deal with the sinful nature. He's giving you the tools so you can say, hey, you're not the boss of me. You've been given the key to unlock the master so you don't have to give in. We know that truth, but to really make that truth a reality, then we become proactive and we pursue that which brings honor and glory to the Lord, okay? So let's wrap this up with some quick application. And here's application one. What, what do we need to pull away from chapter six regarding uh, the sinful nature? Well, number one is we got to have right thinking, okay? In order to defeat the sinful nature and not allow it to burn us twice, we got to have proper thinking. The proper thinking is it's dead. It's not the boss of me. When I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, God did something. He placed His Holy Spirit in me. He gave me that power and the ability to say no and not allow that sinful nature to burn me a second time. So it begins with right thinking. So that's step number one in application. Step number two, uh, take a step. Okay, that's step number two, take a step. In order... For this truth, sin is not your boss. You got to take a step. You got to take a proactive step. All right? Take a proactive step. So, whatever you're wrestling with regarding a temptation, Satan knows your temptation, so he's going to throw it at you big time. He's going to come after you and try and get you to mess up. Well, you know what your temptation is. So, what step can you take that would allow you to be victorious? 
what step can you take that will enable you and set you up to be the winner? Okay? Remember, you are dead to sin. The power, the authority, it no longer has master over you. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the key to unlock that master and break free. Okay? Sin is not your boss. Knowing that truth is step one. Step two, we make a proactive choice and we become the victor and the winner. So what is it you need to do to be walking in victory? Let's pray. God, thanks again for the challenge that comes to us from your word. Lord, it's so wonderful to know that we belong to you. Okay? And as your servant or as your son and daughter, you've given us what we need to be victorious. And so, Lord, this morning, because we know what you've done, we together say we're not going to let sin be our boss. Rather, we're going to offer ourselves to you. May you be honored. May you be glorified in our decision this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.